This special coverage of Token 2049 from Singapore is proudly brought to you by KyberSwap. KyberSwap is a multi-chain DEX aggregator which provides traders with the best swap rates on 12 chains and options to earn on your crypto with yield farming on top tier chains and projects. Welcome back to Singapore for our special coverage of Token 2049. The week finished big with the huge Singapore F1 Nitros. Our banter fam was in the grandstands experiencing it all firsthand. The engines revving, the crowds cheering, the turns, the straightaways, and the mood soaring with races topping over 200 miles per hour. We got some rain before the start, but capped it off with a big win, fireworks, champagne spraying, concerts, and of course, parties. The buzz electric. Daniel Ricardo also had a huge race. He came in at fifth overall. Also racing against the field back at the conference, all the L1 and L2 blockchains. Both old who've been around for nearly a decade, like Ripple, to the 2017 alums like Cardano and EOS, to the new entrants like Polkadot and Arwood, who we'll hear from direct. From there, we'll see who's building across burgeoning blockchain verticals, specializing in the likes of infrastructure, wallets and exchanges, institutional support, NFTs, metaverse, gaming, social tokens, and more. One of the title sponsors of the F1 Red Bull Racing Team, and of course, one of Banter's longtime sponsors is Bybit. Now let's get their take on the race. So as you know, we're in Singapore. There's a big Grand Prix happening this weekend. And uh, one of the big sponsors of the Grand Prix is actually Bybit, who are the sponsors of our show. And I think that they're one of the bigger players in crypto in Singapore, but actually in crypto worldwide, right? Yes, so very good to be on the show and uh, super good to see you, you know. How big is Bybit relative to the rest of yeah. the market? How yeah. big is Bybit? So I'll give you some figures, right? So in terms of uh, the website traffic, if you look at the unique visitors, we are third in the world. Uh, so you have Binance on top and then uh, Coinbase a little bit uh, higher than us and we are at the third. So um, FTX probably the fourth and then some other exchanges. And, and also we are, kind of, we are now the second largest in terms of derivatives. So and that's where we started Bybit as a derivative exchange. But now we are all rounder. Uh, Fiat, you know, Spot, NFT, I'm sure your, your, your clients know, knows it a, a lot. Yeah. All right, yeah. so we have a big Formula One race this weekend. Yes. In Singapore, it's a night race. Yes. Who's going to win? Of course. Uh, Red Bull. Okay. Red Bull, of course. Of course. <laughs> okay, I mean, that's basic. One and two. One and two, I think. All right, well, let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Ben, it's been so good to see you, my friend. Right. Thank you for all the support that you give us. You guys are obviously one of our favorite sponsors, so thank yeah. you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, his prediction came true. Excellent. Red Bull won the race. What a thrilling experience it was for the Banter fan to be a first hand in the grandstand. Also a thrill, Token 2049. Back to business for us. Last episode, we talked to Dan Moorhead from Pantera Capital. This episode, let's sit down with his number two, Joey Krug, a longtime Silicon Valley wunderkind type. It's been a long time. I think the last time I interviewed you was in San Fran at your office on CNBC. Yeah. The industry was tiny back then. Look at this place. Let's talk about this market though. So the market obviously has gone down. What has that done to your investment thesis? Are you guys just carrying on investing? So from, from an investment standpoint, we're still deploying capital. Um, our thesis is kind of always the same. It's, it's basically just you know, backing really great founders uh, in, the, in the crypto space. But I would say like, you know, we do evolve our strategy based on like how the market is. Have the valuations come down to realistic valuations and may I even say desperate valuations, or not yet? Um, certainly not desperate. I would say they're definitely realistic. 
Um, I mean, you, you occasionally still have stuff that's pretty unrealistic. Like you see companies raising, you know, tens of millions of dollars and they have no revenue. Like I still see that, you know, fairly often. Oh, well, you said it. So you spoke about Ethereum and you spoke about risk to reward. ETH at $1,250. How does the risk reward sound there as a big investor? I think it's a great risk reward. Um, you know, we own a lot of ETH in our portfolio right now. Um, it's sort of something where I think like, you know, we plan to basically deploy that ETH into early stage startups and early stage founders when we come across ones that are really great teams building really cool stuff. So it sounds like you're excited about ETH. If I were to ask you, what, what is the layer one? And in layer one, let's, let's say layer one and layer two that you're most excited about. Would you still say ETH or? On the layer one side, I would say ETH. Um, for layer twos, I would say really excited about Arbitrum and Starkware. Um, I just think they're both very different, but also like, I'd say kind of best in class solutions to the layer two problem, and we're investors in both and excited about both of them. What other narratives are you looking at? So we've spoken a little bit about layer one, we've spoken a little bit about layer two, specifically layer two on Ethereum. What else are you guys keeping a real close eye on? Yeah, so the other areas would be DeFi and gaming. Um, so on the DeFi side, it's kind of the same stuff we've always been doing, but I'd say one big difference is DeFi is getting more complicated. People are building more structured products, they're building things that allow you to do kind of more interesting stuff, I would say. Um, and then on the gaming side, there we're mostly looking to back people who are really care about making good games. Um, like I, I used to play video games like all the time, way too many hours when I when I was younger, and like I think the games that will win in Web3 long term are going to be games that are just really fun, and then the economics will work. But like the whole GameFi thing, like I don't make, think makes a ton of sense. Like like really, it's just like you have a good game, you can add economics to that, and that can be massive. But you can't really start with the economics. When you see Web3 games currently, and you compare them, you said you were a gamer and you played right. games your whole life. Feels to me like there's a big disconnect in the quality and enjoyability of the game versus a, a good Web2 game. How long until you think that, that bridges, that we've bridged that gap? I think, I think it's like a three to four year horizon. It, it just takes a long time to build a good game. There wasn't the funding four years ago, or even a year ago, really, um, to do this, right? It's only in the past 12 to 18 months that people have funded blockchain-based game companies with enough money to actually build good AAA games. So you want to be investing in the studios, you want to be investing in, in, in things that will output uh, many, many games. Right. All right, let's talk about three or four projects that you're really bullish about that are either out there in the early stages, three or four bets that you've recently made that you think are going to be very good. Yeah, so I mentioned Starkware earlier, obviously bullish on them on, on the infrastructure side. We also invested in a company called Brine, which is a building basically a decentralized exchange on top of Starkware. It's going to be like a cross-chain decentralized exchange. I like them a lot just because I think the founder has a really good like product mindset. Um, uh, we invested in one gaming studio called Revolving Games. Um, again, it's sort of like they're just really focused on making games that are like fun to play, and then like you figure out the economics afterwards. So just uh, as a gamer, you know that, that's the strategy I think makes way more sense. Outside of that, I would say um, you know we have companies that we've invested in years ago, but we're still super super excited about their their upcoming trajectory. You know things like Alchemy, where we invested way back in 2018, and you know, the team there kind of just continues to still surprise us with like how fast they ship, um, how, how fast they add new features and, and new things. And so excited about like our old investments too, you know, both the new and the old. From early stage alpha, we take a walk around and start seeing everything that's building. We see Starkware presenting on the stage. You see the once much hyped Neo, today still working hard and shipping products. 
and we meet Sophia the robot. But she's taking a rest in the builder's not. I'm here to talk to Sophia. Um, Sophia, Sophia. She's like my wife, she's pretending to sleep. Who's not taking a rest? Sam Williams from Arwood. Listen to everything that's going on in the ever-growing ecosystem. So, I know you spoke about Web3 adoption. I don't really want to talk about Web3 adoption. I want to talk about Arweave. Because I looked at the weave size the other day. Yeah. And the weave size is growing exponentially. And the yeah. price is not really growing exponentially. So maybe just give us a, a breakdown of what's happening at Arweave. Yeah, I mean, so Arweave is a permanent information storage system. Uh, it's a machine, you put data into it, it replicates the data all around the world, uh, and it has an endowment to back it. So it's, it's really the first time we've been able to store data permanently. Um, in the NFT space, it turned out, which kind of really took off last year, people desperately need permanent information storage. Because if you're going to trade uh, an asset that is essentially a, a sort of digital collectible, well, you've got to make sure that data doesn't disappear, right? Arweave makes it easy and cheap to store data permanently, and so that's super useful for the NFT space. I think a lot of people, when they talk about Arweave, they compare it to Filecoin. And, you know, like everyone says, oh, I mean, file storage, it's Arweave or Filecoin. But the two are fundamentally different, right? Maybe just explain to the audience what the difference is between the two. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think the Filecoin team have let them speak for themselves, but I, I think that their product is essentially trying to be uh, temporary information storage that competes with AWS on price. Arweave doesn't care about that. Uh, we think that blockchains really work when there is zero to one innovation. For example, uh, Bitcoin was the first time we could have digital scarcity. You just couldn't do this anywhere else in the digital world. Um, and then Ethereum really worked because it was the first time you could have programmably enforced smart contracts. That's just not possible in a centralized system. We think that uh, instead of competing on price, we should use blockchains to do things that you just couldn't do. And in our case, that's permanent information storage system. So uh, in Arweave, you replicate the data around the world without a single centralized point of failure. But at the same time, you also have this endowment. And the endowment is kind of like a smart contract, essentially, that lives inside the system that says, okay, we're going to put aside, uh, yeah, data storage costs for hundreds of years and then let it out over time. And what's interesting about that is that the business model is uh, expressed in math, and math alone. You don't have to trust that there's some company somewhere that's going to go and, you know, execute on this properly um, for like decades or, or centuries. You can just trust that the math won't change. And so that's what we've been focusing on, and that's why I think we found like profound product market fit for Web3 data. Tell us what people are now realizing that can be built on this protocol. Yeah, I mean, so we, we had this massive explosion in growth because of NFTs. That was sort of the, the gateway, if you will, where people discovered Arweave and why, oh, now I get it, permanent storage is useful for this. Uh, but now we've seen in the community this, this massive explosion of innovation in this other area, which is like, what if we build fully decentralized web applications? What it means is that you can launch a web service, which is essentially just data, right? It's HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. You can host that on the network, and then you don't get to change it, and I don't get to change it. It lives there immutably. Um, and that gives you properties that are really like pretty uh, crazy, frankly. So you can have a decentralized Twitter, for example, that lives on top of the system and guarantees user rights. You can't come along after you launch it and say, sorry, I get to choose who gets to speak today. Are people building though? I mean, is there a healthy, growing, amazing ecosystem around Arweave? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so, in, and not just building it, it's, it's all basically organic, and that's, that's super exciting. So, this is the first time we've had an Arweave in Asia event um, alongside Token 2049 just earlier this week. 
And hundreds of people came to this community organized event and spoke for like five hours in a row about all the stuff they're building on Arweave. It feels to me like this is a protocol that no one's heard about it, no one's heard about it, no one's heard about it, and then everyone's going to hear about it. And I guess that that's the path that Arweave is taking. Like we want to not oversell, we just want to tell people what we built and how it works and why they should use it. And, and we've been doing that and it's leading to this um, network effect, essentially this viral network effect of developers bringing more developers. Sam, listen, full disclosure, we're investors in Arweave. We were one of the first investors in Arweave. We're big fans of the ecosystem. We continue to be big fans of the ecosystem. Sam, well done, my friend. So good to see you. We're fans, are you? We're also fans of Kybersoft. And again, full disclosure, our sponsor for this episode. All right, so we're leaving the metaverse. We're leaving Sandbox. We're continuing with our walk. These halls never end. They never end. You'll see. This multi-chain DEX aggregator has been based here in Singapore and have been building their tech since 2017. There we go. Oh, wow. Firstly, thank you for sponsoring the show. It's amazing to get you on the show. A lot of people don't know what Kyber Network does. This is your one minute in the sun. Tell people what you guys do. Yeah, so Kyber Network is, is the OG, the most OG in uh, crypto space, in uh, decentralized chain space. Uh, we provide Kyber Swap as a decentralized chain. We have aggregation API. We are free forever. The API is optimal. It's guaranteed to give the best rate. So you can go to Kyber Swap and trade with the best rate out there. So that is one. The second one is provide. We provide liquidity protocols, which is uh, we are testing and also doing a lot of like campaigns right now. Which the protocol is better than Uniswap. So I don't know if you know this, but in 2017 or 18, I was here in Singapore, and I came to your offices, and you guys had just started building uh, the Kyber network, and now we're here three or four years later. And five, years. five years later, and I mean, look at you guys. You guys have exploded. You've changed your logo. Looks amazing. Have you guys been growing? We are, we have been growing a lot. Uh, now we have more than 100 people uh, going to uh, to be 120 very very soon people. What about users? Like, have you, is your user growth as big as your staff growth? Yeah. So right now the users' growth is quite good. Even during the bear market, this is growing right now. We have. Um, like the MAU is 200k, and um, the volume is um, around to like more than 20 million daily uh, to up to like 30 million daily, and this is growing quite fast right now. That's yeah, cool. during the bear market. That is amazing. Well, listen, thanks again for sponsoring us, for bringing this amazing content to our amazing community. From swaps, let's rove around and survey some of the industry's biggest projects and see what they're up to. Have a look over here. Strap in for some rapid Q&A from the floor. Tireless work, but someone's got to recap it all. You know, the worst thing is when I do these things, I don't even get time for a coffee. So let me put down the coffee and let's go for a walk around and see what everyone's doing now in the depths of the bear market. Let's go do this. Let's go do this. Let's start off here with Cardano. Sorry to interrupt, guys. Two minutes on the thing. What's the most exciting thing happening at Cardano at the moment? Oh, great. So we just launched the Vassal Hardcore last week. Finally. Yeah, very successful, very smooth, and that's doing a lot of optimization for smart contracts. So right now, many of our DEXs and smart contract developers are optimizing their applications. And a lot of that will be talked about in October during CNFTCon and Rare Bloom, which are events held in the US. Listen, I love Cardano, but I need to ask you a question. When will I be able to wake up in the morning and use my Cardano wallet to do amazing stuff on Cardano? 
wake up tomorrow and do that. And what would I do? Well, we have over 97 dApps that's launched on Cardano today. We have over 56,000 NFT collectibles that exist on Cardano today. You're able to delegate to a pool if you want to use your ADA to vote and actually make an impact positively on the direction of the Cardano ecosystem. You can do that too. I think I'll make a positive impact because I love Cardano. <laughs> All right, let's carry on and see what everyone's doing here in the bear market. You can see Cardano is just building. I mean, they're just carrying on, but let's carry on. So as you can see here, we are at the Radix stand. What's the biggest thing happening on Radix, guys? Uh, yesterday, we launched our AlphaNet where we connected um, our smart contract programming language to our network for the first time. So this is a big one, you know? That's huge. Yeah. You know, not many people know the Radix project and that it's been around for, I mean, it's been around for a long Ten time. Ten years. 10 years. You see, they carry on building. Bull market or bear market, they don't care. Let's carry on. You know what I want to do now? I want to go and find Ripple and find out if they're going to win the court case against the SEC. Let's go. All right, so here we are at the Ripple stand. I'm going to try and find someone I can talk to. Hey, how's it going? Who can tell me about the big things happening at Ripple? What's happening at Ripple? media person isn't here right now so I'm not allowed to speak to anything I wish I could but can you come back later is Ripple gonna win the court case against the SEC no comment <laughs> okay we'll come back when your media person's okay. here Thank you. Uh, let's carry on a lot of projects here a lot of projects here Wow trading solutions open ocean you got Astar over here custodians over here so this is MetaMask institutional uh, big players in the space, obviously very important for institutional adoption. Fireblocks, one of the biggest custodians. Nansen, um, obviously providing good data to the crypto community. Wow, there's a lot, a lot going on. Let's have a look. And there you have Crypto Banter. That is where we're filming. This is where we're doing all our interviews over here. And now, I wanted to go and speak to the guys here in Polkadot because what I've noticed here is there are a lot of people in Polkadot. Looks like there's a lot of developers and it's just very busy in general. Come have a look. Wow, so Peter, nice to see you my friend. What's going on at Polkadot? Or Clarity, or at Polkadot, Clarity. Oh, we're making great progress. So what you see here is 17 layer one chains on the booth. Um, we see great progress great adoption of our roadmap of the future of technology we're developing and we see all the single projects we're having making great progress in getting more apps, getting more uh, users, getting more developers in the system. I have to ask you a question because it's been bothering me for some time. The model of getting people to pay or stake a lot of tokens in an auction to have the privilege of being a parachain. In the beginning it was really cool and a lot of chain staked a lot of tokens to be part of it uh, yeah. if i remember correctly but now it feels like there's less appetite to stake to be part of a, a parachain does that worry you guys at all so the beauty of the auction is for each parachain is that you have a fixed price for your rent of the parachain service of security of the pocket of uh, parachain and that is a fixed price for two years you don't have to pay gas price and all of that so you have predictability of the price that is the beauty 
However, the price for each auction is a market price. We on purpose designed it as being an auction so that people pay a, pay a fair price of that. And as with any other service, prices can go on, go up and down. You know, in the beginning you guys had, well, you still have Kusama and Polkadot. And Kusama was supposed to be the canary chain yeah. and Polkadot was supposed to be the, the, the other chain. Absolutely. Polkadot's white paper said there were going to be a hundred parachains. And now we're in 2022. Do you still think there's a market for a hundred parachains on Polkadot and then also a whole lot of parachains on Kusama? So if I look at our funnel, we get, we get between 20 and 100 requests from projects each week for new parachains. People are building, people keep building and, and soon get the concept of Polkadot. I have one last question for you. What do you think is going to be the first killer chain slash gap on Polkadot? When I say that, you know, respectfully, I don't see many Polkadot chains that are being used by mass retail every single day. I've seen many, many projects here. I talk to many, many projects. I see great projects in the music space. I see, I see projects that, that are in, in the robotics space. I see lots of DeFi innovations. And I've talked to many of the builders here. And what they said is, and I'll ask the same question. So when is the first big thing with 50, 100,000 users coming? They said, Peter, we're still building. And now it's an ultra hard message to land. And we're still building because what Polkadot has done is it's so innovative that we, we, we're working our way up right now. And we're just about to now deploy our first application development frameworks. And I talked to some of the founders of building that, where you can build the depths on top. And we're building, and Polkadot is now focusing on the application layer because we, we kind of solve for the parachains. We solve for all of that, the SDK. Now we're moving our attention towards the application layer. And we launched, for example, a smart contract language called Inc. And we're still developing it, which allows people to build dApps which are much more powerful without the constraints that EVM has on, on, on Ethereum, for example. So the main message is, we're almost ready. Let's just keep building. With that, let's carry on. Keep building. Thank you so much. Good to see you, my friend. Okay, so that's Polkadot. Let's carry on. Let's carry on. If you look here, you've got uh, the EOS Foundation. Now, I wonder if this EOS Foundation is the old EOS or, or the new EOS. Is this foundation around EOS or is this the new EOS, Antelope? This is, this is the new EOS. Remember, EOS is a blockchain. Antelope is the Web3 protocol. And you're right South there. African. And I'm South African. Tell me about the future of EOS now that I guess Block1 is kind of out of the way. Block1 is most definitely out of the way. And I can tell you from somebody that's quite involved in the community and I've been here since 2018, I get that same feeling of excitement that I had back in 2018 all over again. And we are just about to launch our flagship product, which is Trust EVM. So I've got to ask you a question. Let's get the elephant out of the room, right? Exactly. Block One raised $4 billion in an ICO. They invest the $4 billion. They make money on the $4 billion. What have they done with the $4 billion? I have no idea, but I can tell you what, it didn't go back to where it was meant to be, but that is the, the developers in the community, the guys that are actually trying to build value on the EOS network. Let's talk about EOS. As far as I understand, it's a delegated proof-of-stake protocol. Correct, still is. Um, it, in 2017 and 2018, that was a great idea because we hadn't solved scaling and decentralization at the same time. But now there are multiple scaling solutions out there. There's, you know, there's Neo Protocol, Solana, what is the, the, the use case for a delegated proof-of-stake protocol with well, limited validators? Well, it's not really limited. It's, there's, I, I would argue that there's better decentralization with the block producers, aka validators, on, on the EOS network than on some of the others. I mean, there's 21, 21 block producers 
that means you know 4.8 percent per block producer block times are half a second the the blockchain mainly runs inside memory it's very fast it's very scalable it's very reliable it hasn't gone down in four years yeah, i guess so this is yield app actually super exciting i hope you guys don't mind me disturbing this is yield app super exciting tim Hi, nice to meet you i'm ran Tell us about Yield App, but you're very tall, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm. <laughs> so, uh, Yield App is uh, the easiest way to earn on your, your crypto assets. So, we uh, we're, we're a full custodial solution. Uh, deposit your crypto with us, and uh, our, our uh, CIO, Lucas Keeley, uh, conservatively manages our, the, the portfolio on our side. So, let, let me ask you a very serious question. You've had all these apps and centralized services. Celsius, uh, BlockFi, which have probably caused a bit of disrepute to the the lending business or the investment business. Are you guys feeling that at the moment? Oh, for, for sure. I think because of uh, all the actors in the space, it's definitely put some pressure on us. And obviously, it, it's been good for us as, as a business because it's been able to have more transparency with our with our community of, of actually how we're managing the capital and managing the risk. And so are you seeing money come in because money's left all the other providers? Uh, I think we're very stable at the moment. So, so deposits are slowly uh, coming back in. Uh, where we're constantly doing AMAs with our, with our VIP clients, answering questions, uh, doing transparency reports. We just did an audit recently. And uh, yes, deposits are, are coming back in. Amazing. Listen, good luck. I see you guys are super busy. I'm not going to disturb you. I want to go speak to Alex Dreyfus from Chili's because the World Cup is coming up, and I want to know what they're doing in terms of fan tokens. So let's go. Alex, how are you, sir? Okay. Long, time no a, long time. Have a seat, my man. Sorry, I caught you completely off guard. That's cool. You know why I want to speak to you? Because the World Cup is coming up. <laughs> what? I'm surprised. Tell me what you guys are doing for the World Cup. Tell me, I got a feeling that fan tokens and stuff like that is going to explode now, right? Yeah, we, we are very lucky. You know, we started four years ago with uh, Chili's. Um, we, we created the, the concept of fan tokens. We started with Paris Saint-Germain and Juventus. Now, fi uh, four years later, or fast forward, we are 150 teams, 300 employees, uh, so and 1.6 million users. So we, we grew, definitely. Is this the biggest crypto? I mean, it's is this the biggest? It's one of the biggest non-wallet, non-exchange uh, blockchain business, that's for sure. Uh, and in terms of revenue, by far. But we think that it's our time now. Uh, and uh, we, we see that there is appetite into fan tokens because indeed the World Cup, not necessarily because fan tokens of all teams are relevant for the World Cup, but just because of the narrative of uh, football for a month and a half, for two months. So are we going to see like amazing stuff happening over the World Cup period, which is just around the corner? Yeah, it's in, a, in two months, less than two months now. Uh, we, we work with, with national teams, for example, Argentina with Messi, um, Portugal with Ronaldo. So I'm pretty sure people would be thrilled by these tokens. Now us, but also every single crypto exchange that we know that are here, they are all going to launch World Cup so-called uh, promotion. And most of them are going to be around us. That's absolutely amazing. Listen, we're not going to disturb you anymore. I see your stand's very busy. We're going to carry on. All right, so World Cup coming up. Keep your eyes on Chili's and on Alex and everything that they're doing. Socios tokens, um, absolutely amazing. Let's carry on. Let's carry on. So let's carry on. All right, now, this is another project that we have been looking at. We're here at the Galaxy stand. Jake, how's it going? Great to meet you, man. I heard the best things about you. 
All right, tell me about you. So what is Galaxy? What do you guys do? So Galaxy, we are a credential data network, and we are an NFT infrastructure platform where, you know, dApps that are looking to grow, they come to us to, you know, grow their protocol on chain and off, where they can launch these participate to earn NFT campaigns and create tasks on chain and off where users can come complete these tasks. The user completes the task, their address is whitelisted inside a credential where they can claim badges. So think of it as customized growth marketing campaigns and loyalty programs for, you know, the for user. Web3. Exactly. So it's Web3 growth marketing basically, exactly. all automated through smart contracts. Exactly, yes. Fucking unbelievable actually. Business is great. We're booming. You see guys, if your mindset is right, there's no bull market and there's no bear market. We just keep building and we keep changing the future. Let's carry on. It doesn't feel like a bear market, I'll tell you that much. Jake, good to see you, my friend. Alrighty, so we're gonna carry on walking down here. Oh, wait, I wanna speak to those guys. Those guys, Delta Exchange, are doing options. Now, not many people know this, but this exchange has actually been building since 2017, 2018, right? 2018. I think now retail is just about to discover crypto options, right? Yes, we are uh, focusing heavily on retail and uh, that's why we are we are able to grow our exchange even no one else can be able to do that like other exchanges they are struggling in options business and on the other side we have been able to grow uh, to 25% market share in a very short period of time so the biggest one is i guess deribit right yes who's number 2 when it comes to options delta wow unbelievable well done listen i've followed you guys since 2018 um yeah, and I'm following you guys now. You guys are doing amazing things. Thank you. Cool, my friend. Nice to see you. Chat soon. Let's carry on, guys. We've got a lot to do. We've got a lot to do. This conference doesn't end. Oh, wow. This is a project that I really want to talk to. Yeah. Is this the project that you can house a full portfolio in one NFT? Yes, exactly, exactly. So Nested is the best way to onboard newcomers into DeFi in less than 10 minutes and they can enjoy the best portfolio management and social trading environment. So uh, yeah, as you told, on Nested, when you create or copy a portfolio, this portfolio is an NFT. So an NFT comes to life and represents your portfolio. So basically, if I have a portfolio, I wrap it up in an NFT, and then instead of selling each individual token, I can just sell you the, the NFT and then you own the whole portfolio. Yeah, exactly. So on Nested, you don't have to, uh, if you want to transfer the ownership of your portfolio, you don't have to send all the assets one by one anymore. You just have to send the, ownership, the, the NFT itself. You understand how smart that is. It means that instead of paying gas fees on every single token when you're transferring it from one person to another, you just send one NFT. Crazy stuff. Yeah, it's crazy. Unbelievable. Wow. We need to talk, my friend, we need to talk. But I'm gonna carry on walking around. Did you hear that? That is amazing. That is gonna onboard a lot of people into crypto. I'll tell you that much, I'll tell you that much. Let's carry on. So tell us what's happening at Ruta Protocol. A lot of people don't know what it is, but it's like a cross-chain protocol. Tell us a little bit more about it. So as blockchain uh, ecosystems get fragmented, there is a need to connect them and let them talk to each other. So if you're a developer that wants to build a multi-chain dApp, you use router. And router has been around for two years now, one of the oldest in the, in the space. And uh, yeah, we are uh, doing some real cool things. Just brought on board a very senior person from Polygon. And uh, literally the V2 that's going to launch in a few months is going to be 
a paradigm change in, in terms of the whole cross-chain bit, cross-chain communication. Everywhere you look here, there are just builders and builders and builders. And these guys are also building amazing things. All right, we're going to carry on with our walk. Let's go, let's go. Nice to see you. Man, oh man, am I tired. Sure, walking around here, all these people. Um, look at our stand. This is, uh, this is our stand. Look who you have here. You have Mel from Vibrate. You have the guys from Unix Gaming. Mirka, how are you, my friend? Very well, Ren. How about yourself? Good. Long time no see? Yeah, first time we met in person, man. Before the teams you met in Korea and so on. So, yeah. You know, it's so weird because it's the first time we've met in person, but we've had so many Zoom calls that I kind of think that I know him already. Yeah, yeah. No, really, it's, uh, it's really nice that we finally meet. And then also having this interview, I'm super happy to meet also Dave and other people from your team. So, so listen, what's up at uh, Unix Gaming? Tell us about what's going on. I know it's a bear market. Um, you guys don't feel depressed. Tell me what's going on. And we really laser focus on building our MVP product, what's coming out uh, end of uh, October. And then we basically enable for any game to turn into Web3 with you know, token creation, marketplace creation, all in one. I must ask you a question as a builder. Are you worried that at some point your runway is going to run out? Because, you know, bear markets can be long. This one's already been 12 months. I mean, we, we are personally not so much worried because we had a very pre, uh, good race, also support with, uh, with Ben the family uh, last year, October. But it's super important that, you know, um, yeah, getting out of the bear market with a running product. And, you know, that's why we need to be uh, ready for the bull run, basically, to, uh, you know, get that traction and then basically on, on focus on your product that you get pro cash flow. Yeah. Bring on the bull market. Let's do it, guys. Let's do it. Mirka, good to meet you, my friend. All right, let's carry on over here. We've got Credo. Credo is institutional adoption. It's a multi-party computation storage. Hey, Ron. Sammy. What's up? What's up, my friend? Whoa, hold on. Is the game ready? Is it working now? Absolutely. Well, guys, come and have a look at this. Come. And... So cross the ages. Remember the game? I remember the game. Cross the ages. Like a few months yeah. ago. Just repeat. It, it's a game that's based on a book, right? Yes. It's like a 360 experience. So you have like seven writers. 117 people involved. You have 100 artists, people from the team of Harry Potter, Game of Thrones, Star Wars, Marvel, DC Comics, and they all work on this experience. Yes. And then I spent 25 months to this game, and like now is the open beta available for the people. Is it working yet? Absolutely. No! Okay, can I play? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Now it's looking for someone that I can play against, right? Exactly, exactly. Woo, huge one. Okay, so I start. It's a yes. card, it's a card-based game, right? Yes, it's card gaming. So you have like ten cards. Your your goal is to make the strategy to have like the maximum you know feel on the game. Okay, take one. Put it. Here we go. So now it's gonna be like the open and turn. You have the heptagram with uh, the power and the weakness for each card. You know, I probably just threw a card, and the guy's thinking, "What the hell is this guy no doing?" Yeah. Listen, Sam, we got to carry on. But good to see you, my friend. Yes. Looks absolutely, absolutely amazing. Do you want to see like a video, like an animation? No, no, we've got, we got so much to do. We've got so much going on here. All right, let's carry on. Let's carry on. I mean, I guess you can say when you see this that even though there's a bear market on the outside, on the inside, no bear market here at all. I mean, I guess this looks pretty cool, right? You can see these organizers have spared no expense to make this what is probably one of the best conferences in the world, certainly one of the biggest and best conferences that I've ever been to. What a whirlwind. I am so tired and it's time for us to wind down. To close, we're highlighting just how different this builder's market cycle is from previous ones. 
Presenting Mia Dang, who just closed a $650 million fund. The evidence speaks for itself. So as venture investors with a lot of money now, because you raised the, the fund, $650 million, what are the narratives that you guys are looking to deploy into? So I mean, we uh, our mission has always been tracking like what are the most important innovation happening in crypto and Web3, right? So uh, we've been early semesters in DeFi, in like L1, L2. And meanwhile, you know, what's different from the last cycle is that you're seeing a lot more consumer, uh, you know, thanks to NFTs, uh, startups. I think the, um, I'm personally very interested in that sector because I do think that content, arts and culture, and entertainment is what brings, you know, uh, the next like 100 million people into crypto. So, as a VC in such a young industry, when do you sell? I mean, I know you guys made big investments into layer ones, and you know some, some of them were co-invested in. When do you guys sell? I mean, do you guys take a take a position and hold it for 10 years, 15 years, or is there a point where you guys actually sell and say, look, we're getting out of this? Overall, in the long term, we're very much like you know holders overall. Um, because you know we believe in, in this technology, we believe in this whole uh, uh, movement, and you know for us to be selling early is almost like you know um, um, we're not seeing the trend being fully realized yet. We're still very early. All right, let's do some quick rapid-fire questions. Does Ethereum ever flip in Bitcoin? Yes. When? Oh, I can't. <laughs> Favorite layer one smart contract blockchain? Ethereum. Favorite layer two? Layer two. Ooh. Matic, Arbitrum, Optimism. I, I really like Polygon. I think Polygon has done a great job, uh, you know, working with like the mainstream um, uh, brands and, you know, this, the, the Robinhood wallets are coming out. And so, um, and it's just in a general energy is great, yeah. What's your favorite? Just take a look around. They're all building and building. Again, to recap from my first episode here in Singapore, we all have a long-term time horizon. 5, 10, and even 20 years. We are here to stay, support, and cover it for you guys daily. I'll see you guys again next time. Until then, trade well, man.